Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Blade Sad Edition. I am your co-host for today, Chad Dedemenesis. I'm your other co-host, Bill Shockey, and I'll try to bring a little sunshine to that sadness, but talking to you before the pot, I think it's going to be pretty tough tonight. Yeah, it's... it's, uh, it's I will say, depending on what kind of podcast everybody wanted... Um, you're either lucky or unlucky that we're doing this the day after as opposed to the night of um, yeah. the Tampa Bay game. Yeah, that was, uh, I was, it was, I mean, it was a few things. You know, like you said, I, I, was, um, I was pretty frustrated yesterday. Some of it was, a lot of it was the officiating, you know, at the end of the game. I mean, it's just. Yeah, it was tough. There was, there's just, there was, I mean, how many games do you watch where the officials refuse to get involved and then in a nice close game like that, you're going to, involve yourself in the game whether the calls were right or wrong or ticky tacky there's just there's no need for it you know it's i don't know and, and that was a frustrating <laughs> part and then it's you know the loss is piling up on top of it yeah well i mean i the loss is piling up in the way the seasons has kind of gone the last two weeks here I, I think definitely don't help but um i think it's been a kind of a weird year overall for the officiating where um, everything that's getting called is like your ticky-tacky slashing calls, and then kind of the more blatant stuff is kind of a 50-50 coin flip if it gets, if it gets called or not. Uh, and then you can go entire games where, <laughs> you know, first and second period, there's one or two penalties called, and then they start calling, you know, weird stuff late, which is usually the opposite, where, you know, the past couple of years they're calling stuff early, and then as the game goes on, if it's a close game, they're not really calling anything. Um, I, I, think, I feel like it's kind of just been a weird year overall. Uh, I mean, usually, of course, you have that one or one or two things that they kind of focus on for the entire season, and obviously, it's been slashing this year. But I mean, <laughs> you were hot. I, I can only imagine, and we saw how hot Eichel was after that almost phantom elbowing call. Uh, he was about to take McDonough's head off for real after he uh, got called for two on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I don't want to spend so much time on it, but watching that replay, it's like. Yeah, he made contact, but you could even see Eichel get out of the way. He tucks his arm in to try to avoid him. You know, and, and I get he he did clip him in the head, and, you know, McDonough sold it pretty well. But it's, you know, some of the onus has to be in the player. You're backing up into a player behind your own net. Like, I mean, you know, some of the onus has to be on McDonough, too, like to know your surroundings. And if you back into a player, well, that, that's kind of your own problem, you know, especially if, you know, I so again, it's like Eichel drove through with his elbow. He tucked it in, tried to jump around him, and clipped his head and it's 
No, it's frustrating. And, you know, the, the thing that, I guess, bothered me the most, I, I think if it was just that penalty, maybe it wouldn't have bugged me as much. But it's the fact that ever since, you know, Sergachev cross-checked Larson in the face, their attempt was to get that even the entire time. All of a sudden, Larson was getting a cross-checking penalty. I mean, he wasn't getting a penalty until he got cross-checked in the face, but he's going to get a penalty now on one of the softest cross-checking calls I've ever seen in my entire life. So I, I feel like they were looking to even it up the entire time. Yeah, I mean, you could even see it from the angle that they showed. The ref's arm hadn't caught up until Sergeyev cross-checked Larson right in the face. So, right, right. I, I mean, yeah, it's the end of the game was tough, especially because I thought they actually played pretty well last night. Yeah, um, yeah they, they did. I, I mean, through the, through these you know losing weeks, I guess you can call it. Um, there's been games where it felt back to the last couple of years where I'm you know two periods through a game and I'm like, do I really want to watch the third? I know. I, know, I, I feel I know. like I kind of know how this is going to end. Well, I mean, at least the last two nights, you've kind of, they've kind of come back to life, I guess you could say, which is nice. And uh, that'll be the, the beginning of my ray of sunshine, I guess. Like, the, the, I mean, the Carolina game, like, weird, again, weird stuff just happening, too. I mean, some bad bounces. I think three out of the four goals went off defensemen or yep, yep, off somebody. Yep. Uh, right? McCabe, Darlene, and Scandella. Yep. So, I mean, that one was just kind of a, no one could really settle the puck down, and, and Carolina got the bounces that night. Um, the bounces the Sabres would get during the 10-game winning streak. And then Tampa Bay, like you said, they, they played well. I thought they kept it real close. They were, they were leading at one point, and you just get some bad calls at the end there. And Tampa Bay, when they get those chances, they're they're going to put them away, and they're going to win that game. So it's just it's tough. It's tough because you felt like they definitely could have came out of both of those games with victories. And the fact that they didn't, maybe a West Coast trip might not be too bad of a thing to, to kind of clear your head, take a flight, and go beat up hopefully on a, an Edmonton team that's not doing too well either. Yeah, I mean, and then when you compound those two losses with the fact the last two nights, including tonight, you're getting absolutely no help on the scoreboard. No the help The scoreboard, it, it's it's not helping at all. I mean, you have now, with Columbus' win tonight, they're five points up on you with the same amount of games played. The Islanders are now two points up on you with a game in hand still, so technically they're four points up on you. So it's 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 not looking not looking good at all. But, uh, to kind of quickly, before we get into it all, to kind of lay out here what we're going to talk about, I, I think we'll start with a little good news here in a second. Jeff Skinner being an all-star, so we should maybe clap for all the Sabres fans who helped out with that. Uh, we're going to talk about the schedule since the 10-game winning streak, the numbers when you take out 10-game winning streak, which I'm not going to lie to you, are not going to be pretty. Uh, we're going to touch on the coach a little bit, the goaltenders, and then we're going to look ahead here to the Western Canada trip in the start of February because Bill and I both kind of believe uh, that little stretch there before the All-Star break and then after the All-Star break is going to kind of be your season here for the Sabres. So before we get into the full page of notes here of really ugly numbers, that's going to probably depress some people. Uh, like I said, I, I think we can uh, at least spend a minute or two here you know, giving some applause to the Sabres fans who voted the well-deserved Jeff Skinner into the All-Star game. Yeah, no, it was great to see. Um, you saw a lot of push, I guess you can say, from both Sabres media and from kind of all Sabres Twitter to get him in there. And, and the fact that he actually got through, there, I mean, there was a lot of good names that uh, were still available, like uh, Riley and, and Bergeron, and I'm sure I'm missing a ton of guys, but Marner too, right? So, yeah, I mean, yep. for him to get in over those guys, it's, it's you know, nothing to kind of bay riot. It's a good thing. It's it's good that the, the fans are still involved at this point enough to get him through. And I even the the mini all-star game that the Sabres had here, 
uh, or the skills competition, you could say. Uh, he kind of showed him. I think he's the kind of guy that you, you would want in that type of thing, where he can do some crazy things with his skates and his skating and his figure skating. So I, I think it's going to be a, kind of a good thing all around. Nice for Buffalo to get another guy in there. And uh, nice for Skinner to just kind of go with Eichel and, and have a good time. Let's get into the bad numbers, okay? <laughs> Sure, don't is, want to give a little five-second blur on Skinner real quick. Good for Jeff Skinner. You have 30 goals. You're going to get paid a lot of money. Good for you, buddy. All right, into the schedule. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so. I'm going to kick back for a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. just listen to the numbers I'm going to rattle off because this is not going to be good. I mean, this is. <laughs> it's funny. Oh. All right, so let's wind the clock back here to the end of play. On November 27th, 2018. Uh, if you don't remember, that was the night that Jeff Skinner, speaking of Jeff Skinner, uh, scored in overtime to give the Sabres their 10th straight victory. At that time, the Sabres sat in first place in the NHL. 17-6-2 with 36 points. The same time, the Boston Bruins had 30 points, 13-7-4. The New York Islanders had 26 points, 12-9-2. Carolina Hurricanes had 27 points, 12, 9, and 3. The Montreal Canadiens had 27 points, 11, 9, and 5. Now, since November 27th, the Sabres have gone 6, 10, and 4. They've picked up 40% of the possible points. The Islanders picked up 10 points on the Sabres. If you include tonight, they've picked up 12 points on the Sabres. 12, 5, and 2, picking up 68.4% percent of the possible points so the unders are pretty hot uh carolina has picked up now with tonight's win eight points on the sabers going 10 or i'm sorry 11 9 and 2 uh picking up a little bit over 52 percent these numbers are before the game so probably over like like 53 percent of the possible points now uh montreal picked up 10 points on the sabers going 14 8 no picking up 63 percent of the possible points the Bruins picked up 10 points on the Sabres, going 13-8-0, oh, 61% of the possible points. So, in a month and literally a month and a half, pretty much, uh, if not less than that, the Sabres have given up 10 points to the Islanders, I'm sorry, 12 points to the Islanders, 8 points to Carolina, 10 points to Montreal, 10 points to Boston. Do you have any comment before I continue with the, the numbers, or should we just keep going here? Uh, you should probably just keep going. I mean, it's why you are where you are, but yeah, just keep going. All right, so get it all out of the way, <laughs> <laughs> then then you'll talk. Yeah. So, outside of the ten game winning streak, the Sabres have gone thirteen, sixteen, and six. They've picked up forty five point seven percent of the possible points outside of the ten game winning streak. That equates out to a seventy four point nine point pace. So, outside of those ten games, we're playing at a seventy four point pace. I have a question for you on that. We're going to get back to it. If they play at no, a f- it is not good. <laughs> that's part of the question so if they play at that earning 45.7% of the possible points over the last 30 games of this 37 games of the season the Sabres will end with 84 points 84 points 84 84 points okay that means they would have picked up 48 of a possible 114 points over the last 57 games of the season that's 42.1% of the possible remaining points over the last 57 games, which then is a 69-point pace to end the season. Here's where I'm going to end on a good note here, Bill. Mm. 
They need 94 points roughly right now to make the playoffs. Montreal's on 94-point pace. So let's say they need 95 points to get in the playoffs. That means over the last 37 games, they need to earn 58% of the remaining points. So they have to go roughly 19-13-5. So you've played such bad hockey over the last month and a half. You've won six of a possible 20 games since the winning streak, okay? <laughs> which means you've earned 40% of your possible points, which is a 66-point pace. But, again, that 10-game winning streak has afforded you the possibility that really you just need to go 19-18 and 18, roughly to earn a playoff spot. You just have to go 500, pick up a few games in overtime, and maybe end the season. Get to overtime. Get to overtime. You're right. Get, get to, to overtime. And you just need to get one, two, or three games over 500 roughly, and you could still be in the playoffs. You've played that big of hockey, and the opportunity is still there, where you really don't even need to be good. You just kind of, the way you've texted me a couple times, just don't suck. Like that, that's much. really what it is. And over the last 20 games, well, you've kind of just sucked, and that's why you are where you are. And that's pretty much the end of my shitty schedule numbers, so you can talk now. <laughs> I mean, I guess what it'll come down to is, I'll start off first. If you, if you look at the charts that John Tierney has, um, I know you tweeted out today, and so we're getting back to average. Kind of what they've been is, <clears throat> in the beginning, they're an average team that was winning close games, then they became a bad team that was just losing. And now I think they're kind of back to the point where they're back to an average team, but they're just unlucky. They're not getting those bounces, yep. and you're not winning close yep. games. Kind of what I saw is, over the last, since December 15th, you're 4-7-2. and two. I think the bigger problem with that is not only obviously do you have nine losses out of 13 games, but of your nine losses, two of them have gone to overtime. So, I mean, you're not even picking up loser points anymore uh, where you were kind of doing that earlier in the season where those close games were at least getting to overtime if you were losing to them or losing them uh, in this last two, three, almost a month here. You, you're just not even getting to overtime. You're losing close games in regulation, and it's kind of how teams are catching you and how they're making up all those points. If you take, I mean, what, three more of those seven games to overtime, you're still you're wildcard one right now and only yep. one point back of Austin. Yep. So, I, I mean, I, I really think it comes down to they're, they're losing, but not only are they losing, they're, they're losing in regulation, which is killing them. Uh, and it's how you're allowing teams to catch you. Now, with that being said, like you said, they just don't don't suck. And you have, I mean, I know they have five more games in January, but if you take out January, you've got 18 to 32 games at home. Um, the away games, there's 14 away games. Real quick, New Jersey, Florida, Tampa, Toronto, Philly, Toronto, Chicago, Colorado, Carolina, Montreal, New Jersey, Ottawa, Islanders, Detroit. Six of those teams are playoff teams. So you're pretty good at home. You got 18 of them at home. 14 on the road you're not as good on the road but only six of those 14 are current playoff teams so you're not playing that that good of uh opponents on the road and i really think you just you get back to average start winning those close games and if you're not winning them you better get them to at least overtime to get a point uh because i mean even those last two nights that you've lost yes carolina is a team you're fighting with right now and tampa bay is way ahead of you I was literally just hoping for a point. I'm like, at least get a point here. So if you don't, if you do lose, you're, you know, at least lessening some of the damage here. And uh, it's something they just haven't done. Boston too. 
it was a close game, 2-1. You kind of just, you, you got to start, if you're going to lose them, you got to get to overtime. And if nothing else, I mean, you got to start winning these games if you're going to make the playoffs. Right. And it, it's, you know, that that's, <laughs> it's the whole thing in the 10 game winning streak is, no, they were all, they were getting, they were winning all those close games, all those one goal games. I mean, you see so many times that there's teams that, you know, if you talk about this when the Sabres were, were winning games, it, it's, you know, Florida a few years ago. How did how did Florida make the playoffs? Not even that good. Well, uh-huh. they won a ton of games in overtime, and the records in one goal games were pretty good. And that was the same path the Sabres were trending down. And now... We mentioned that when they were doing it. Right. Right. The Sabres are going to be that team. People are going to be like, man, Buffalo in the playoffs? No, wow, look at their one... Look at all the overtime wins they have. Look at the shootout wins they have. Look at their record in one goal games. It's pretty much stopped. Right. And it's gone the complete opposite way. You're not getting to overtime. And... When you do, you're not winning those games anymore. You're losing those games. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the biggest issue is not even getting there for the opportunity to win. And, you know, I mean, the three-point games are, are, are a critical thing in the NHL these days. And this is why, you know, we mentioned that <laughs> I, we, we saw the teams coming here for a couple of weeks now. They know the objects in your mirror are closer than they appear, and they finally caught them, and now they're out of a playoff spot. And we've, we've harped on you don't want to be the team chasing. Because even a two, even like a four or five point lead or trailing, it, it, it can become insurmountable, especially in the second half of the season where teams are playing tighter games. They know how important these points are in the standings. Where teams with five minutes left in a tied game, both teams are like, all right, we'll just settle for a point here, and then we'll kind of flip the coin and see how it goes. I mean, it's, there's going to be so many three-point games, especially if these teams that are playing against each other, that it, it's going to make it very difficult if you fall behind four to five points. And that's why that's why this, you know, getting back to schedule quickly, this Western Canada trip is extremely important. You're playing Edmonton, who's struggling, Calgary, who's good, Vancouver, who's struggling and doesn't have uh, Patterson. I mean, you need to win two of those three games. If you, if you lose all three of those games, you're in a world of trouble. Because you have your bye week, you're going to be sitting for a week, and you can easily come out of the all-star break, which follows your bye week, and be down five points. And you're in a world of hurt. Like you're then you're scrapping. So I mean you need to at least take two out of three here and then hope and pray coming out of that bye week. At worst case scenario, maybe you're down two or three points and you're right in it. And I mean, and then coming out of the all-star break, you're gonna have two games in one in Columbus, one in Dallas, and you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You had a seven game homestand to start February. Uh, against Chicago, Minnesota, Carolina, Detroit, Winnipeg, Islanders, Rangers. So, you know, of the next 11 games, I think it's, oh no, I'm sorry, next 12 games, you're going to have six teams that are not in the playoff, five teams that are, and then you have Minnesota, who is borderline, depending on when you play them. Right now they're in the playoffs, but they're tied with, like, two other teams. So it's, I mean, it's there. I mean, that that stretch coming out of the All-Star break is really, I think, is what's going to make this season. I mean, we talked about it, you know, this this seven-game streak here against the Eastern Conference teams that were extremely important, and they go 2-4-1. and one. So, I mean, and, and, yep. and we said if they didn't play good hockey during that stretch, they're going to find themselves out of the playoffs, and here they are. So I, I, I think, you know, before we get into everything else, it, it, I think it's extremely important to realize, and, and it's, it's also interesting because that comes before the trade deadline too. You're going to get a good idea of what kind of team and what kind of season you're setting up for because if you're going to, again, pick up 45 of the possible points coming out of that 12-game stretch, I could easily see them being 7 points, 8 points out of this thing already. Yeah, 
I mean, <laughs> it's it's gut check time. It's reality check time. What is this team? Uh, I mean, I know you're a young team, and for the most part in the pre- preseason, we were talking about how they're going to be a team that's going to be fighting for a spot. Uh, it just kind of hurts because of the way it happened. Uh, but it's here. It's go time. You're pretty much now from here on out, if you want it, kind of playing playoff hockey, right? So, I, yeah, I mean, definitely. every game matters. Every point matters. Um, you got to, you know, do well on this West Coast trip. And like you said, that seven-game homestand, and you go five and two, or, you know, four, two, and one, or something like that, you're going to have to come out of that with a, a winning record to at least find yourself in a decent spot going back away. And you play the Islanders there, too, and Carolina on that seven-game homestand. So there's two chances there to make up a, you know, a four-point swing. <laughs> I, I think it's it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, to your point, I, I, the deadline is what's going to be kind of it's start, it's starting to get there. We're looming, right? We're we're kind of getting to that point where definitely he's got to make Botterell's got to make a decision. Like, what are we going to do here? Because obviously, what this team needs is you need a second line center. Uh, is he going to go do that? I think most people you would ask at this point, including ourselves, are probably going to say no unless he finds that perfect deal. You know, a, a youngish guy that he can kind of control for a couple of years. Uh, I would probably say two. You know, sticking with the twenty twenty plan. Yep, yep. Um, but. Kind of, what is he going to do here? Is he kind of is he going to let them flounder, um, or is he going to kind of try and give them some help? Uh, and I think these next twelve games here are going to make that decision for him. You know, the thing that I, I guess I'm, I'm going to set up my transition here uh, to our next kind of topic, and that's going to be, you know, around housing and some lineup decisions. Here is, you know, it. it I guess I'll phrase the question to you this way: If they finish with 84 points, he's probably back. But in your mind, if they end the season at, let's see, what's my number here? So if they end the season outside of that streak playing seventy, playing a 74-point pace and ending the season on a 69-point pace, I mean, that, I mean, even if we just started the season, let's just go back to October. And I said, you know what? The Sabres this season, they're going to end with 75 points. A lot of people are probably going to say, you know what? That's not good enough. I mean, me and you both know. said, me and you both said we need to be at, at least in the eighty-two to eighty-four point range. Now they're going to get there on the back of that. At least it looks like it. I mean, <laughs> they're probably going to get there on the back of that ten-game winning streak. But it just—it's so hard for me because it just—it's. I'm going to get in some of the, the, the decisions here in a second on the lineup things that make it difficult. I, I think unless they're. It really, this this really falls off the tracks. You know, like you know, like a bottom five team. I, I think he comes <laughs> back and Botterill tells him, "You got to make some coaching staff changes." And right. then he's and then he's on a really short lease to start the next season. But it just it part of it too. At the same time, and we're going to briefly get in the bottom and and part of this is at the same time. I'm trying to remember his his roster is limited, but still. There's so many decisions I'm going to get into in, into in a second. I'll let you go first. That just uh-huh. make me question his his decision making and his in game coaching ability. Because one of the reasons why I'm going to pick, if you ask me right now, while I'm picking the Islanders, Montreal to finish ahead of the Sabers, is because Barry Trotz and Claude Julian are better coaches by a mile. If you ask me, and I think that's important. If you look at the Islanders roster, look at the Canadians roster, they're really not that much different than the Sabers or better. If not, all three are pretty much the same. I think the Sabres have a better defense. Islanders probably have a better group of forwards. 
you know, better top six, I would say. Montreal. Say you, you probably have the best top end talent of all right, the four teams. Right. Montreal probably has the best goaltender of all three teams. But, you know, again, they have a coach who both teams have coaches that have set up systems and put their players in opportunities to be successful. Where this coach, I mean, like I said, I'll let you go first here. This coach continues to put players in very bad situations and doesn't seem to be learning from it. I mean, I guess it comes down to is Bottrell the kind of numbers guy that he said he was? Uh, because if he's looking at the same numbers you're about to spit out here, I, I think there's a big problem with the coaching. Um, now, with that being said, I mean, <clears throat> what really does happen, it probably, uh, first I'll, I'll say, like, the thing is, like, this is not happening in a vacuum. Like, we're not, you're not going to get to the end of the season and say, you know, Sabres made or had 86 or 88 points or whatever. And you're like, man, that's what we were projected for. So let's just, you know, roll the, di- you know, uh, Bottero go into the offseason, make some changes, and let's roll the dice again. You you have to remember what happened throughout the season. And I think how the season kind of ends here is going to be big. Now, when we get to the end of the season, what is going to happen? I would say nine times out of ten, you are right in your last sentiment that probably the power play coach goes and they make some other coaching changes um, and Housley's back with a short leash. Now, that being said, I think the problem is kind of what are the signs of a good coach? And if you're, it, it, this is more like I test if you're not looking at the advanced numbers, uh, what what is the sign of a good coach? It's a guy that gets more out of the player's than you would expect. Exactly, right? exactly. And kind of, you're looking at a young team here with the Sabres, and where is all the scoring and where is all the goals coming from? It's the top guys that are, you know, top of the draft players that are top in talent that any coach that is behind the bench is going to get that out of those guys because Jack Eichel is going to do what he's going to do. Skinner, yes, he's got 30 goals, but I wouldn't say that's because of Housley. I'd say that's because more of he's playing with Jack Eichel. And so then I think you kind of make your way down to Middlestad. And I think he's kind of the, the biggest question out of all of this is you go into the season imagining that Saboka or Berglund are going to, you know, be your second line center and are going to shelter him. Obviously, the, the weird thing happened with Berglund. You can't forget that. But because of that, Middlestad has been put in a position where he, everyone knows he's not ready for. So, I mean... How much can you blame him? But 12 points in, what is it, 43 games he's played? Six goals, six assists? Yep. Like, you were hoping for, can I say, 35 to 40 if he was playing third center uh, with limited minutes and, and protected situations, hoping that, you know, Berglund was going to be a, a good second-line center. Obviously, again, that didn't happen. But you're telling me, moving up to second-line uh, center, you're hoping for 20 now, maybe? 20 to 25? That's not good enough. Um, I, again, he's one year away from college or one year removed from college. So I, I just, a series gone back, like the guys that you brought in to kind of bolster that, that second, you know, second and third line. I think that's where the coaching would come in and, and you would expect more out of those guys, uh, with a good coach. And that's not, that is not what is happening. Pominville. I mean, he had a very nice goal the other night, but a post was dropped off a cliff. Pominville's kind of dropped off a cliff. Uh, Shiri hasn't been playing well. Your fourth line has been good. Um, I mean, can you can you give that to him? Maybe. Uh, but I, I, I'm trying to avoid Saboka here because I know I'll just go <laughs> off on a tangent. Uh, but I'll let you kind of do the We're gonna get there in a second. I'll just jump in, right? <laughs> so I, I think it's – what are you supposed to do is the defense, though, right? So if you, you go to the defense, have they been better? Yes. 
but your pairings are going to tell a different story here in about a second. So, and how much again with anybody else behind the bench is Darlene going to be the same guy? I mean, yes, right? Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't know unless you know like the in the locker room stuff. Can you do? I, I think what it always comes down to is no matter what it is, if it's a player, if it's a coach, if it's a goalie, if it's whatever it is, if you get to a point where you ask yourself, can I be better? And if somebody out there, the answer is yes, you should always be trying to make your team better. Now, is that going to happen? No, because we were talking about the same thing, what, two years ago now with Miles, but when some of those coaches got fired and and we were, you know, basically begging for, was it Julian at the time? It might have been. Maybe. maybe, Isn't that when he left Boston and then he went to Montreal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's. It's tough. It's it's so hard to know kind of, you know, what they're what they're being taught and what they're doing, but at the same time, I mean, you can see it. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. But I mean, I think, like I said, I think the next 12 games here are super important and I the power play though. It's this. How they haven't changed anything. The entries are so bad. Uh even last night when you pull the goalie or the Carolina game, you did we even get a shot on that? Like, they couldn't even get in the zone the last two and a half minutes of the game. Like, stuff like that just cannot happen, and I think that is on coaching. and So, like, that drives me nuts. But I I try to be subjective because, I don't know, I I just think the the stuff that you're about to bring up and the stuff that, I you know, you see with the eye test has just been frustrating. And I think a lot of it does come back to coaching. But I'll let you go, and then I'll hop back on here after you give the advanced stats because they are not pretty. And it makes me feel a lot better about Saboka. I'm just gonna throw that in there at the end. <laughs> yeah. that guy, I cannot wait for him to get off the roster. Yeah, that and <laughs> he has one year left on his contract, by the way, if that makes you feel better. No. Uh, <laughs> I just I I get the the love story. I just don't get it. Like I guess I wouldn't mind him as much, but the fact that he gets thrown into all these situations that he has no business being in drives me insane. Yeah, I I mean that that I think that's a good I was gonna start with the defense, but I think that's kinda of probably a good place to start with Sapoka is you know, before I give you all this, it's it's something I touched on earlier too. It's the understanding that he has limited options, right? You know, Berglund went AWOL. If you ask me, honestly, if I had a choice between Saboka and Berglund, I would have put the contracts aside. If I just had the same player, the same amount of contracts, same amount of money, I would have rather Saboka left in Berglund State, to be honest. I, I think Berglund gave you more. Now his speed wasn't the best, but Saboka's not a burner either. But I still think at the end of the day, Berglund's a better matchup for you than Saboka is you know, as a shutdown player, which Sapoka is definitely not a shutdown player. We're going to get into in a second. But it's, it, okay, it, it's understanding and completely acknowledging that this coach has limited options, okay? I'll start there to give that to That's give that part. understanding. Beyond that, we'll, we don't even need to go that far back. We'll just start with the Tampa Bay game last night, okay? It's, it's unbelievable. And it's not that it's, with this clear, it's, it's not surprising that he did this, but it's crazy when you look at the numbers to try to fathom again why you think it's a good idea to do this. So Boca yesterday against Tampa Bay was a minus twelve, a minus twelve in shot attempts against the Kucherov Point Johnson line. He was a minus three, a minus three. No goals for, three goals against. So basically, you could say that that line is the reason they lost that game yesterday because they were destroyed. Oh, and by the way, the four-on-four goal that's not going to show up in here, 
he was on the ice for that when Stamkos scored. He was on the ice for that four on four. And I just it it's so it's it's mind boggling because when I mean, you look back, the Tampa Bay game where they lost five to four, the one that ended the streak, he was a, again he was a minus twelve. I mean, he split even there. He had a goal for and a goal against, but he was a minus twelve in shot attempts, four sixteen to four. And again, I think that was against the point line. And then you're going to look at it in the game before that, where they won two to one. He was a minus ten, and that was against Point Kalorn and Yanni Gord. So in Stamkos and Kucherov too. So I mean, they pretty much all played the same amount of minutes against those players, and it's just it. That's the part that just it, it drives me. Not understanding that he has limited options, but you have this, at least God, I hope so, that you have this data available to you that shows you lining up Vladimir Soboka against Kucherov, Stamkos, Point. It doesn't matter. The, the top two lines of Tampa Bay is a really bad idea. And then again, in an important game his team needed, he decided to do it again. The, the easy solution here is to play the Lars, try the Larson line against them. Larson has been pretty good. He was again good in that game against Tampa Bay's fourth line. He dominated them. Eichel handled. Eichel was a positive possession team against the Sam Coast line. So just you just you you continued to just let the Spoka line get hammered and give up three goals and probably cost you a game. And then and then here's a cherry. Boop and drop the cherry on top of all of this is. He puts out Scandella and Ristolainen with them the entire time. Not to mention, that is probably the worst pair you can put together, which is mind-boggling. You get back to that, to put that pair back together when their numbers are so bad. You know, Kevin, um, and I'm a lot on Twitter. i got to share these numbers. So, at NTRider825, Kevin, who was an intelligent mind on Twitter. i got to give him credit. He, he gave me these numbers right before the podcast started. So I'll read his exact tweet to you. I don't know why I did this for fun. I did this. I don't know why I did this, but for fun. When Scandella, Ristolainen, and Saboka are on the ice together, they're at twenty-three percent Corsi. They have eleven shots for 32, sh- 32 shots against, so they're twenty-five percent. Uh, six scoring chances for thirty-six scoring chances against. They have zero high danger Corsi attempts, and they have six. Against six, they are they are six zero oh, and sixteen in high danger scoring chance with those three players are on the ice, and yet we're continually seeing that happen. It, it's not hard with the defense players to realize that Rislan is only a positive possession player when he plays Lawrence Pilot. I don't know why you went away from that. Dalene and Bogosian go very well together. Bogosian and Pilot were a mess yesterday. I don't know why you would go to that, and you know Scandella. Honestly, it's not going to happen, but he should come out for Bolu, who's been fine, but that's just not going to happen. But, I mean, you know, McCabe does the best he can, but anyone, you, only one that can save Scandella realistically is Darlene, and that's crazy that the 18-year-old has to save the veteran defenseman. But really, that's the only player that can save, save Scandella at even strength. So it's, it's mind-numbing. It's mind-boggling. And then not to mention when you throw in on top of the Saboka thing is the hard-headed refusal to get away from that Eichel, Skinner, Reinhardt line when your secondary scoring has struggled so much. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, he tried it for 36 minutes. For 36 minutes in Carolina, he tried to split those up and panicked and went back to it. All you simply had to do, 
the realistic thing you had to do is just change Thompson and Pominville. Flip them. And I bet you would have been fine. Reinhardt was having a good night with Sherry. The other lines were doing fine. And yeah, two it's, really nice setups. Right. But Rodriguez and Sherry, they just hit the pad. and Yes. I think it was just a nice save on the Right. Sherry could have had five goals in that Devils game playing with Reinhardt. Just, it's... It's he panics, and that's the thing that just it, that, again it, it scares me. He panics when things don't go right. He doesn't give enough opportunity. Again, he gave the splitting up the top line thirty six minutes is all he gave it before he went back to it. Not even a full game. When 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 the night when two nights before that or three nights before that, without Eichel doing splitting up Reinhardt and Skinner, you scored five goals and you dominated a team. I know it's the Devils, but still it happened. So we have a couple bad bounces against. Carolina. You don't need to panic. And then just the panic goes back to bad pairings, goes back to bad decisions, goes back to bad lines, and it just it it's 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 so infuriating and it's so aggravating when you know again the well and as I understand the limitations that he has on this roster, and that does fall on bottle who we're gonna get to before we wrap this up, but just the continuous decisions and just simply relying on players that Vladimir Saboka is not a shutdown player. You can't play Ristolainen and Scandella against other teams' top lines. They're going to get their heads kicked in. But we're 45 games into this season, and for the vast majority, he continues to just do it just because he feels comfortable with that. And it, it's not okay. It's not good enough. And, you know, my whole fear of this whole coaching thing is if he comes back, who I don't want to be, I don't want to be the Philadelphia Flyers next season. That's why I don't want to be, because that's what they did. They had issues with Hackstall. They brought him back, and look where they are now. Now they're going to be searching for a new coach. They're going to be searching for a new GM. And they have a talented roster that the coach just couldn't get to perform. And look where they are now, in the bottom of the league. Now, granted, they have goaltending issues, but still. You know, it's that's how I don't want to become. And the other part that infuriates me and frustrates me beyond all belief especially this season goes in the shit can again and you end up as an 80-point team, is I'm going to waste another season of Jack Eichel. And now I'm into wasting, what, we're at four years or five years now of Jack, four years of Jack Eichel? Mm-hmm. And, and I have to hope his fifth year, I hope, he can play, be a playoff team. And by his sixth year, hopefully we can start conceding or start competing. So we have to wait six years of Jack Eichel's career to start being a competitive team. And I think that's the thing that really starts to frustrate me. That was good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I throw kind no, of but, I mean, yeah, you're right. And just because I liked it so much to do the first time, you ready for a second cherry on top? Go for it. Or however you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Two of those three Tampa games are at home. So you know he's doing it. Yes, yeah, so you have last change. Yes, thank yep. you for pointing that out. That's, that's the worst part. You have last change. So he's making the decision to do that. It's his choice. Even better, what he's telling you is he does it at home when he gets last change. And Cooper likes it so much, he's just like, fine. Do it, yeah, the same please. Thing on when he's home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you would think that might be a little bit of an issue. but Oh, by and, the way, you have Johnny Goudreau and Connor McDavid coming up here this week. Who do you think is going to play against them? I will bet my house on it. It's going to be Vladimir Saboka. <laughs> That's so scary. I don't know if I'll watch. <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> but, no, I mean, seriously, it's a, and it's kind of where I was trying to dance around it, um, kind of with the eye test stuff, but, I, I mean – it's just these are these are the situations and where the numbers back up that when you're a team like the Sabres have been lately that is struggling, 
you need a good coach to pull them out of that. Get them some overtime wins. Help them put the bright people in the right situation so that you can get a couple wins that maybe you didn't deserve. And he's doing the opposite of that. And obviously that's a huge issue. And the one thing that – I guess I'll transition to our next topic here. The one thing that I'll give him credit for that I think he's handled pretty well, which a lot of people have jumped on – never really jumped on Carter Hutt, which I don't think is fair, is the goaltending. I think that's the one thing that he's actually handled pretty well. Yeah, I think you're starting he's, to hear rumblings, but you're right. Right, you're, and both goaltenders have played well. I mean, I'm, I'm going to share these numbers with you in a second about Olmark. You know, people are clamoring for Olmark here. But I, I think, you know, and to be fair, I, I think Hutton got some unlucky bounces. I also think that first goal against Carolina was totally on him. Like, just use, yeah. the, use your glove, bro. Like, you know, you know, and he's been, I, I guess you could say he's been more fidgety in the goal. You know, we've kind of... You know, before the season, when the season first started, how many times did we text each other and say, wow, he's just, he's so much more calmer in goal. Where I think the last few games, he hasn't been. And that can be tied to confidence. Now, Allmark, on the other hand, has played pretty well for the most part. But he's played in, I guess I would consider, sheltered opponents. He's mm-hmm. fed off the bottom feeders of the league that I think have inflated his numbers to positions where people are kind of well, he's only lost one regulation game. Why not put him in? Well, let me just share this number with you. He's played four games against teams right now currently in the top 15 of goals scored in the league. In those four games, he is 1-2-1 with a 3.75 goals against average and an 8-8-0 save percentage. So, he doesn't do well against good teams. He doesn't. He, he feeds off the bottom teams which is good that he can beat those teams. But I think yesterday he had an opportunity to take the net for a while from Hutton. And I'm not going to say he played bad, but I'm also not going to sit here and say that I think he played well enough for me to go, yeah, you got to ride him now. I, I just I just don't think that's what happened. I think it was a missed opportunity, but it's important to remember here, to put it in perspective, while his numbers look good, against the good teams in the league, he hasn't played that well. So these four teams, Columbus, he gave up five goals. Tampa Bay, he gave up four goals. Uh, Toronto, he gave up four goals. The only game that he won against a top 15 scoring team right now is Ottawa when his team won 9-2. to So put a little perspective into that. While I wouldn't have a problem with riding Allmark, I, I just think the clamors and the calling for it might be a bit ahead of things, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, no, you're, you're spot on. I was glad you found those numbers because it's kind of, like you said, <clears throat> bringing everything back to, I think the that's exactly where kind of the, the clamors can be from a position of blindness where Hutton just hasn't looked, like I said, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been as good. The rebound control is just not as good lately. Not everything's sticking to him. He, you know, two, two games uh, where he had those funky glove goals, the one, it was the Islanders one, right? Where it went off his yeah, glove yeah, and in. Yeah. And then the last night, or two nights ago, when it, again, went off his glove and then Scandella helped put that one in. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're, you're right. You're just not seeing the confidence of late. But just because you're seeing those kind of fluky goals um, with Hutton doesn't necessarily mean that uh, Allmark is going to come in and all of a sudden be a world beater for you. Uh, I, I think that is one scenario where you do stick to the plan. Uh, I don't think you really start throwing Allmark into a bunch of games here. I mean, if you want to get him in a couple more than you had in the first half of the season, that's fine because we're now halfway through a season. Um, but I think there you definitely do stick to the plan. And 
I mean, those those good lines, those good numbers to show. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, it's uh, I, I don't have a problem with giving Almerick more games, not at all. I, I think he's earned that. Um, just in the second half of the season, and that, that might even be part of the planning in the second half of the season to get him more games. Right? Maybe he plays one of every three, and that's kind of the way you roll it here. But um, yeah, you, you know those, especially in games that are key. You know that these it, it's only four games. I know, but it's still a sample size that shows you that he doesn't do that great against good teams. And while Hutton has had his struggles, it's hard to forget early in the season and even recently he's had some good games where he's got new points or he's even gotten at least the overtime so you know i think that can't be forgotten and at the end of the day city mecca looking at it neither goaltender is the reason they're losing absolutely not and you know maybe hudden's had a bad game here or there but i, I would not put any loss really on him um and especially when you look at the numbers i think last time we spoke or even i wrote about it uh it's crazy how many more goals Allmark gets than Hutton. Uh, you know, that five-goal game for New Jersey kind of maybe swayed things a little bit closer, but still, uh, I mean, Hutton was losing a lot of games, but he was getting one or two goals in support. So <laughs> it's, it's hard to blame the goaltender when the team is scoring one or two goals. So I guess that's that's kind of what will end the goaltending conversation for me, at least. Well, speaking of goaltending, I think it's been a little while since I've sprinkled some happiness into this podcast. So I'll at least say this. You ready for this? Your last three games? 11 goals scored, only three have been Skinner, Michael, or Reinhardt. Mm. We've had Smith, Middlestad, McCabe, Pilot, Palmer, Oposo, Thompson, and Scandella. Is that the same TJ Smith who just had a hat trick when he went to Rochester? That one? It, <laughs> uh, let me check my notes. Yes, that is in fact the exact same TJ Smith. Oh, okay. Smith. <laughs> just wanted to double check that. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying that for me. <laughs> Not a problem. Anytime. But yeah, no, I mean, you're at least the last three games, you've seen a little bit of the. Extra scoring besides the top three lines. You actually don't even have an Eichel goal. You got two Skinners and Reinhardt. But uh, the Potter goal is nice. Thompson, I think it was more of a pass back door that found its way in. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, if you like, I said, just don't suck. Just don't suck. You can get some secondary scoring. Get get Eichel back uh, to play in the way he was, even when you were losing games. He was on fire. Uh, I think he's probably the break is going to help him. I would expect him to. Maybe come on a tear after the break here. Uh, I think, uh, what is it, like two two weeks, a week and a half off is going to really yeah, help whatever's yep. been nagging him. Um, and I think from there, like you said, it's it's go time. you got to really come out hot. Uh, those two away games and seven home games, those are those are going to be the probably the, the crux of the season, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's there for you. You're still right there, which is a good thing, especially with how bad you've played. Uh, just play average hockey, win a couple of close games maybe start to get a little bit of secondary scoring, and who knows? Who knows, right? No, I mean, it's just don't suck, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, think way, I think that's a mantra to end here, is, is just I, don't suck. I, I, I try to prepare this one as, as being the happiness, but uh, if we come back here, whenever we come back next, maybe after the West Coast trip, and if they lose all three, you guys are on your own. <laughs> <laughs> There's no more Bill happiness. <laughs> Bill's going to just do an hour podcast of Bill's letting me spit out terrible advanced <laughs> analytic stats, and Bill's just going to go, yep, every few minutes. I'm just going to keep replaying the uh, Saboka. The only goal New Jersey had, I texted you immediately, Saboka didn't have his guy in front, and he just tapped it in. Yeah, yep. I was like, guess who that was? <laughs> your best defenseman on the team, apparently. Yeah. <sighs> uh, Gotta love Vladimir Spoka. So before we end here, quick question: Where are you at with Botterill? Has is, is your confidence wavered at all there? I, I meant to 
I just ran out of time. I think we'll maybe save it for the podcast or in the buy, but uh, I meant to kind of pull up his moves that he's made and kind of go like good, bad, mm-hmm. push kind of thing here. So we'll save that for down the road. But I'm just curious. That'll be good. Has your confidence wavered at all on him? Maybe even a little bit? Or are you still kind of in a good spot there? Honestly, no. Uh, for me, not at all yet. Uh, I think <clears throat> it's going to be what slash if he does anything at the deadline and then this offseason is going to be a big offseason for him. Kind of like you remember when before Murray got fired, I said... They're going to bring up the summer of Tim Murray. <laughs> right, yeah. Remember how we were talking about how he yep, just had yep. to make a couple changes here and they could probably turn things around and then they both ended up getting fired. But uh, yeah, I think um, kind of the same thing here with Bacho. I think you're, you're still close enough that it isn't fully his team. And I think the trades that he has made, uh, I mean, obviously Bergen leaving helps that. But I think Thompson has really started to come into his own uh, I mean, obviously he still has his struggles, but I think he's he's getting more involved offensively. He's shooting a lot more, which is what right, you need out yep, of him. Yep. Uh, he's starting to score, which is good. Uh, so I, I'm a little you know happier with Thompson. Uh, middle stead struggles aren't necessarily well. I guess they could say they are on him because yep, he yes, didn't really yes. find that second line Correct. center. So I guess I, I guess there would be a little bit, but. I mean, they're they're kind of are where we thought they would be at this point in the season. The question is, does he go out and try and help them in that spot? Uh, I could say if he doesn't, and then they do fall off a cliff, uh, I would think. And this is why I think Hosley doesn't go, because I think you can lay some blame, and you should lay some blame at the feet of Bodrill. Uh But, I mean, overall, I, I really have no problem, I guess you could say, with Bottrell at this point. I'm not... I don't think the seat is very hot at all. Uh, I think he's done some good things. I think the, the Shiri trade was a good trade, um, even though he struggled. Uh, I would, I think he's the guy. He's he's playing all right. He just he can't find the back of the net and he get that monkey off his back. <laughs> yeah, he just he can't. And uh, obviously, I mean, what do you what else do you have to say about the Skinner trade? Um, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's what, trade of the year probably. So easily, I guess you could actually say three goal scorer for. 44 games in yeah but uh yeah so i mean I, I think the things he has done he went out and he finally got jack uh the winger and a hell of a one at that so I, I think if he gets that deal done and even if that money is you know decent enough where everybody's happy as long as you're not up in the nines which i wouldn't expect you to be uh i think around eight and eight and a half if he gets that deal done i think everybody will be happy with that and then it'll just be on him this offseason to Find yourself a second line center, shore up that bottom six, get some secondary scoring, uh, maybe find a defenseman. And if he can do that, um, I would say you would have, no matter who the coach is, a coach in a spot where they really don't have any room for complaining, as opposed to this year. No, I, I think you kind of put it in a good way. You know, I, I don't. It's. I mean, I probably should be more mad at him than I am, but I yeah. just kind of. Maybe that's just kind of how it goes. Um. Unless the, the GM has really bad traits, uh, I think it's it's hard to because some of those trades, you, like you have a first and a second along with that O'Reilly trade, like what are those yep. trades? Yeah, exactly. I, so I, and I, that's how I was gonna go. I, I think that's where I think you have more time as a GM, right? And and I think also those three first round picks, or even if I want to do it for the next two years, what he does with that, I think is gonna make a lot of what his tenure here turns into be. Does he make all four picks? Does he flip one of those for something? Does he flip two of those for something? I think what he does with those picks, because even if you... Probably depends on how hot the seat gets. I, 
that's true. I, I mean, the other part, I mean, that Evander K trade, for example, you were lucky to get a first-round pick out of it. But really, all you're getting out of that Evander Kane trade is that first-round pick. Realistically, you're going to get very little to nothing out of Danny O'Regan. While he's having a good season in the AHL, I don't think he's ever going to give you much at the NHL level. So, for Evander Kane, you need to hit on that first-round pick, either a player or you move it for something. The O'Reilly trade. Berkland went AWOL. Saboka, we just talked about him for the last 30 minutes. Uh, Thompson could be something. That's good. Mm-hmm. But again, you really need to hit on that first round pick or do something with it worthwhile. And you have the second round pick a couple years on the road, so let's not forget about that. But you know, any of those first round picks are going to be important. Words, but I think you might get lucky with Thompson if he can fill out a little more and get more comfortable in his body. Um, I, I think you potentially could have something special with him. Yeah, I mean, I and I've I've gotten more confident on Thompson as the season has gone along. I mean, I remember the beginning of the season we were begging for him to go to Rochester. You right. know, so I, I've gotten to the point where I think he can. He's an NHL player. Uh, I, I he's only twenty one too, so that's important to remember. So it's there's definitely something there. And with that kid's shot, if he can just figure sure. a few things out, I think he's always going to give you something. At the very least, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to at least give you fifteen ish goals. And if he's going to be a third line ringer who gives me that, then okay, fine. Now, does he have the potential to be? A twenty-five goal top six forward, sure, but I also think his right. his his floor is around a guy who can at least give me twelve to fifteen goals, and maybe he can play in the power play and just hammer that slap shot. Say, yeah, power play two unit. I think if you can have that going forward and hammer that shot, uh, that would be a good thing. And I think that ceiling comes in. Um, it, like I said, if he can just find a way to figure out his body and use it more effectively, I think he kind of shies away from the physicality. If he can kind of get to a point where he doesn't necessarily shy away from it and can control it better. I think that's where you'd see the ceiling, uh, get to the net a little bit more, maybe, you know, be able to get to the corner. I, th- I feel like he, he goes into the corner and then he kind of, mm, pass is already gone. So instead of taking the hit, I'm just going to kind of, you know, curl out of there. Right, I, right. I think if, if you can get a little more physical into the game, you get more involved and that's where the ceiling would come in. But just want to throw that out real quick. So the last thing on Bado that I think is going to be important this summer, it's not about the acquisitions he brings in. Hutton, too. you got to remember that, too. Hutton, Hutton was a good, yep, cheap, good signing. Um, but I, I think, if, especially if we're going to keep Housley along, Housley the type of coach where he's not going to take veterans like, which is odd because he did it with Berglund, but he's not going to take veterans like Saboka or Scandella out. He's going to leave them in. He's going to ride them. Because he has them, and he has confidence in those players. Right or wrong, it, that's that's what he does. Is it possible it was the Berglund was starting to happen? And maybe that's why he didn't play him as much? Yeah, maybe. Like it, if you're starting to get locker room problems, yeah. it makes it a lot easier to sit a guy. Right. I mean, my my whole understanding with that is Berglund's whole – it goes back to that no movement clause issue with St. Louis. Right. That That's part of it. Uh, he was never thrilled to be coming here. I, I think things went really sour quickly when he was benched in that, for that San Jose game early in the season. Uh-huh. And then he got a second one, and then I think he was going to get a third one. And he just said, I'm not doing this, this is it, and just walked away. So I, I wasn't aware of any room problems. You know, We heard about in the offseason, you know, Eichel called him the godfather, the Swedish godfather, because right. all the Swedes would follow him around, and you know he was good for them. So I don't think there's much room issues there. I just think that... I just... It, for I, a guy I, to... For a guy to just leave, I, I can't imagine that there wasn't any kind of quote-unquote disgruntled employee uh, talk around the locker room. 
Yeah, and, and maybe you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. I, it, it's it again. It's such an odd Matt, situation. Yeah, I mean it's guessing, obviously, but right. I just can't imagine if that was happening. I mean, maybe it doesn't get back to Housley, and maybe he just loves Savoka for whatever reason. But yeah, just trying to guess, I guess. Uh, but as I was saying, the thing that I think is important here as we wrap up is it's not about the acquisition the Botterill brings in. I think what also could be equally important is he needs to take at least one of the two, if not both of them, find a way he needs to take Scandella or Saboka or both away from him in the offseason. Just, just, they both have enough in their contract. Do something with them. See, Con- convince convince Saboka to go back to Russia. Uh, trade Scandella somewhere. He has some value. Someone will take him with one year left. Just, I, I feel like if you go in the next season and leave him with both those options, that he's just again going to fall back into it. So I think it's important is knowing your coach and understanding that, that you have to take away that, uh, that driving force, I guess, for, for Housley to continue to those player situations that don't feed them. And maybe if Bottle brings in different players, he'll use them differently, but I'm not confident in that. You know, I, I've, there's other players who do a better job of what Scandell and Sabo could give you, but he won't use those players. So I, I feel like as, as general manager, he has to take action on his own to take those players away from him so his coach can't use them, which is crazy, but I, I think that's what he has to do. I mean, if that's the case, that, that statement alone just, I mean, then what are you doing? Why are you even keeping a coach around well, if you have to literally get yes. rid of players for him to not play them? If, that, if, I'm, like, if you said that to me as just like a, an outside counselor or whatever, and I'm the owner, it's like, why, why is the coach even here? Yeah, if, no, you, I mean, if, if, if you can't you know, give the coach the best players and he needs to put them in the best spot to win games, that's the job of a GM and the job of a coach. If you need to not give him certain players because he's going to play them poorly when they shouldn't, or in situations where they shouldn't be in, why is he even coaching? Well, welcome to one right? of my 1,035 reasons why I'm not sure how he continue as coach after this season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to your point, too, though, it is about to relax. Yeah, I don't. I just, I mean, the only, and I see, because I don't want to be kind of, I like one more than the other, so I'm going to give one excuses, uh, but kind of who else was out there at that point? Because it was what, him and Tockett were the two being thrown around? Pretty much at that point, yeah. I mean, you could. How's the Arizona doing, right? Right. Well, with all those injuries, only four points out of a playoff spot. So, I mean, honestly, well. <laughs> who's so doing, who's doing, who's doing a better job with a roster that's beat up with a whole bunch of injuries? Actually, Bill. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Good stuff. Gotta love it. Well, I mean, please win some games. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Or don't. Or it's funny. I've seen you and uh, Dylan going back and forth today. Yeah, and it made me cringe and at the same point smile. That <laughs> I either want to make the playoffs or be so bad that House gets fired. Yeah, it's. That's a dangerous world to live in. I know it. And it I mean, podcast like doing this podcast, getting ready for it was fun. I mean, it's getting all these numbers and then going through. The, I mean, part of it is comedic too, going through this and just seeing these numbers and laughing as you continue to go through them. But it's frustrating too. It's it's not as much fun as what the beginning of the season. I'll say that. And you know, it's I, I don't know. I, it's. I, I and, and Dylan even said, and I think he's right. The worst case scenario is they end up with what my numbers say here, and they're eighty four point team, and then you're just like, 
bleh. Like, you get nothing out of this season. You get nothing. You're just, oh, okay, you went from whatever they finished last season, 84 points. Okay. Well, is is next season a, a must-playoff season? It has to be, right? I would say yes, yeah. So, I mean, Because this year was, was a nice to have. I mean, even before the season even started. Yeah. It was this year, be in the hunt, and it'd be nice if you make it. The year after, it's go time, you need to make it. So I don't think that changes. No. No, it's just... I don't know. Every time I talk about it, keeping, like I said, I keep getting depressed about wasting a year of Michael's career. And that's the part that always frustrates how you, me. And, how do you think Rich Lennon feels? Whether you like him or not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Six years now? Yeah. I mean, because I, I, I don't want to become Edmonton with Connor McDavid, where I'm just wasting this guy's career away. So that's the second team I don't want to become. I don't want to become the Flyers next season. I want to be the Oilers. Now, to, my general manager is not Peter Sorelli. I was going to say, so, Bob, I mean, <laughs> Bob Rose, not so right, okay. right. Yeah. I don't think he's all of a sudden going to trade Skinner at the deadline for a Milan Lucic. <laughs> I, w- I would quit. I'd re- that, that'd be the retirement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that <would be> it. <laughs> podcast over if that happens. Podcast over, Chaz writing career over. That that'd be it. I'm. I, I don't know what I would do. I, I'd retire <laughs> from hockey. I'd pick another team <laughs> and create another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. tune in next week. Or <laughs> welcome to the. I don't know the Chicago Blackhawks podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that'd be bad. Listening to the Lightning now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's probably to become really the Tampa Bay Lightning podcast beyond <laughs> beyond the Lightning Bolt. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Gotta love it. All right, so we talked a lot. We're about about an hour here. That'll about do it for this week. Uh, three games: Western Canada, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. Bye week. All star break. Big game starting February. So we have a lot going on here. Um, I'll have the spiel at the end here. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at BTV Hockey. Uh, rate, share, subscribe, comment. iTunes, Google Play, Stretcher, Speaker, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We are all there. Um, if you enjoy the show, any ratings or comments you can give us on iTunes would be greatly appreciated. It makes us look better. It makes everybody happy. And I promise if you do that, I won't bring so many bad schedule numbers to you next time. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, he's, he's not promising that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, make sure you continue to comment, interact with us on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, we enjoy it. Um, and let's... I, I, I think suck. this is a good way to end. Yes, let's just not suck. I, I think... That's what I'm going to name this episode. I was going to go something different. Like, oh, no, we suck again. But I think just call it. Let's, I think, don't I think suck. That's, next, that's next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. After the Western Canada trip, it'll be an interesting conversation for sure if, if things go bad. So for Bill and Chad, we are out of here this week. We will chat with you soon. Thanks for listening. And enjoy Sabres After Dark because it'll be interesting. See ya. See ya. Shields sprawls and makes the save!